Ladies and gentlemen, it is about three on five handicap match. And tonight, but taking Roman Reigns' place, Kurt Angle. The honorary member for tonight. Their attention to the big red machine, Kane. Through the table, Strowman's out, Kane is out. Here comes Sheamus, there goes Sheamus. Angle into the barricade. Sending it through the table. Get him out of here. It's turned into a five-on-two massacre. Sheamus missed with the throw. Angle slam. Kane blasted through the barricade. Kane homage to Roman Reigns. Angle with the cover. Welcome, everybody, to Monday Night Raw. Raw versus SmackDown. This is my show. AJ Styles. This is your United States of America. Let's go. Okay, we're dealing with some technical issues, but I'm going to get this thing back on track. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode nine of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast for Wednesday, October 25th, 2017. On today's show, we've got our TLC review, the Build It Survivor series, and all things Red Brand. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to tell you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world, talking creative, the business aspects of professional wrestling, and of course, giving our unsolicited opinions. You can contact the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Drop us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. I did this open three times before I finally got it recorded right. I'm joined alongside my Huckleberry RBV. Rick, welcome to your show. It's me, it's me, it's RBV. Rick Vickery here. You know, we survived the great panic of TLC. And then, uh, well, I I'm not even sure how to describe Raw. I know we're going to dive head first in that later in the show. So, so for now, all I'm going to say, you know, in honor of Seth Rollins, I'm ready to burn it down. Well, the most important question that I have to ask you on this episode, Rick, is red or blue? You have to choose. You have to choose right now with nothing to go off of. Whose side are you on for absolutely no reason whatsoever? Hmm. You know, I actually had, had been thinking about this, so I do have a reason. Oh. And, and to me, there, what we've seen, uh, you know, especially last night in that last segment there, what we've seen transpire, you know, if object, they're objective, it's very clear what's going on here. Uh, and so I'm going to say that, that I'm obliged to be their huckleberry. You know, Raw, Raw they were Pearl Harbor by the blue brand last night. The SmackDown came in as cowards and low-life thugs and laid a beat down on them. I'm going to go know, with Team Blue. I, I, I'm going with the Red here. I'm, I'm, they're going to the heel side. They want us to support the babies here. I, I'm going to back the Red brand. I'm going with Team Blue. Bad guys over strong. No, 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 I, but you know what? No matter what side you're picking, let's all be real honest with each other here. If you're raw, if you're SmackDown, and if you're somewhere in between... When this is all said and done, the smoke clears, you know what this is really all about, don't you? Make Roman look strong. 
Someone call the ho- the conspiracy horseman. This is all about the single most important agenda driving WWE. Yeah, and you're exactly right. You know, just look at this. At some point, most likely the go home show. It's it's going to be a scene reminiscent of the glass shattering way back there in the invasion the invasion angle. The Roman factor is going to come into play. Raw is going to be getting the beat out of their life, and and you know who's going to come save the day. Who's going to be the hero? It's going to be Roman Reigns. And now I'm and sad that, and depressed, and I want to go live well, in the cold play. In in that instant, when that happens, I wonder how all how all of these. I, I don't want to use any of the insider terms here. What we call each other, but all these fans out there that are just taking this spoon-fed, that are loving what they've seen, this complete garbage that has been laid out for them. I wonder how they're going to feel then when the end game is that they should love Roman Reigns. Oh, my God. It's nauseating because it's true. You know it. I felt like when I was trying to format this show, I was trying to do it to where we could just talk about TLC and Raw at the same time rather than doing like two review shows because I hate doing review shows. But there's no other way to do this because it was truly the tale of two shows. I couldn't believe that these two shows were even put on by the same company, let alone the same talent. It was just... I thought there was some good stuff inside of TLC. And then I saw Raw, and I was just like, what in the fuck? They built up so much good faith inside a TLC, and then they just pissed it all away for me. Yeah, I went into TLC. You know, they they had so many problems. You know, they they really had put, you know, from the get-go, the major hype around, it was all around two matches, and then only two matches on the undercard got any kind of attention. You know, then they then they lose Bray and and Roman through the illness, and it all just kind of unraveled. So I kind of went in, and they did a great job. They put it, they put the show together. They they presented something that the majority of the fans were excited about. So I went in there, kind of treating that as like a novelty act. This gonna be one of those things you just kind of go buy your ticket to. They they roll out some big names. You kind of sit back and enjoy yourself. And, and for the most part, I did. It was a very entertaining show. We were talking before we started recording that I almost wonder if Vince just works really, really well under pressure. Because TLC, Vince was absolutely under the gun. And TLC was a good show. And then you turn around for Monday at Raw, where he has a little bit more time to sit and think about it and overanalyze it to death and run it through all these filters, and you get what we had on Raw last night. The best stuff speak- Vince ever did was when WCW had him under his thumb. I was say, well, you know, what speaks to your point is if everyone really thinks and looks back at when they were at their best, it's when they've been pushed. When Vince has got his back in the corner, he's, he has to do something. He's got to come out fighting. You know, you can even look just, you know, the product might not have been as good around that time because of other circumstances. But how good he was, like, even during the court hearings and all that, the steroid scandal. You know, he pulled out every card he could to make sure he was going to survive. We saw that in the Attitude Era when his company was threatened. 
to to be destroyed, to be put out to put out of business by WCW. We see it there, and we saw glimpses of that at TLC. Their backs were against the wall. They they had their number one guy, the the face of the company, the future. He's out, and then the second marquee match they lose uh, that they've been building for for months and months and months, six months. That thing's been building up. That's yeah, a, a ridiculously long build for Wyatt versus. Bell. But to the point. But to the point. And you know, the Vince, Sister Abigail thing is just oh my god. Right, but you know, if Ford or not. That was the pinnacle point in that program. Yep. I, I can I think that program's dead now. Don't you just kill that program at this point? I at this at this point, yeah, that's one of those things in wrestling that you just kinda you sweep under the rug and you hope in reboot six months nobody really remembers what was going on yep, with it. Just re- reboot Wyatt back to square one and go with it from there. Yeah, but back to the point there that man, what we saw from Vince when when their balls are in the fire, they react. We didn't see that so much on Monday night. Well, let's start with TLC. What what did you give TLC on a 1 to 10 rating? And you know what? I was sitting here thinking about this. And I hate doing these ratings. Yeah? <laughs> I think I I think I I think I'm more of like a pass fail type of guy, but but I know it's part of the game here. So I think I'm going to have to I'll, I'll give it a 6. I had it at a seven. So, okay, so yeah, we're, 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 we're pretty reasonable. We're there. Um, I thought there was definitely more good than bad in this show. And then when you get Balor and Styles, that pushes it up. So I gave it a seven. Uh, I very much felt like it was a tale of two shows to where you had the undercard and then you had the two main events. The, the undercard matches were fine. They were good. Nothing absolutely spectacular that stood out to me. Then you had Balor versus Styles, which I thought was a very good match. And then you had the car wreck that was the main event, which if you go in expecting a car wreck, it was fine. Yeah, they, I think they sent the majority of the fans home happy there. And, and like, I, you know, like I said there before, I, I really I, I went to, I approached this as a novelty show, so I didn't really have any expectations. It was one of those things, that, one of the reasons that I, I really enjoy going to like your low-level indie shows. You just got to sit back and turn your brain off and just enjoy the action. That's what I kind of went in there with. Now, there were some things that jumped out at me. I guess, you know, just the psyche in the back of your mind that they're always going to come to you for any wrestling fan out there. But overall, I was pleased with what I saw. I wanted to talk about the pre-show just very briefly because when we did our around the pool edition you and i both had a lot of emphasis on the pre-show with special announcements and stipulations being added to matches etc and they really did a whole lot of nothing with their pre-show other than tell they told us a couple of times that roman was sick they never did tell us what was wrong with him or when we expected him back or if this is life or death or what's going on but they just kind of really told us, hey, they're sick, and here's what's going on tonight, and enjoy the show. For it's an a hour. long-running problem with, with these pre-shows. They don't, there's nothing going on. They, there are no reasons to watch these. They are just an hour promo with a waste, wasted throwaway match in there. Now, from my background, I'm in promotions and marketing. One of the most important things to me is everything that happens before the event. 
it's up to individuals as well, like myself to get out there and bust our ass to sell that thing to make sure that all eyes are on that main product when showtime comes around and usually you want to you want to utilize every moment you can and to me that home stretch right there that last hour that should be one of the the most important focal points for them this is really a selling piece for them and not even not even so much to bring in new eyes but people that are already locked in on you you really want to up the ante for them you want to you want to juice that excitement level and they do not do this on any of these pre-shows it's the same format and that, that panel seemed so dead last night as well. Incredibly dead. Incredibly. You know, it was, you know, it was almost they're just happy to be there. You know, dive into some things there. Strike some emotion with the fans. And stop it, scripting Renee Young. Just bullet pointer. Because Renee is so freaking good at her job. And yet they, they're just giving her crap to work with. Just giving her crap. You know, and anyone that's, that's listened to any of our poolside be the, be the booker shows, you know, I put a lot into every one of my pre-shows because I think that there should be some developments there. Let's get some twists. Well, we Let's view it the same thinking. way. I mean, that's your last chance to sell the show. Even if you're not necessarily quote unquote selling the show, you're giving people, well, God, how many people are watching Walking Dead right now? You're giving those people a reason to DVR Walking Dead and watch your show live. Whether the show is sold or not. You don't want, in your last build to any event, you don't want people back on on their heels or sitting back in their chair. You want asses on the edge of the seat. You want them up on their tiptoes. You want them excited. You want them popping. And they don't ever deliver that on these pre shows. It's it's something it's been a pet peeve of mine for a long time. It's not just this show. It's been like this for a long time in WWE and it's it's across the board. They put Foxy and Banks on the pre-show. Match was fine, but it didn't do anything to sell TLC to somebody who's going to tune out and watch The Walking Dead in an hour. What you got here, you got a standard pre-show match. And honestly, sitting here what are we, two days out? I can't remember a single damn thing from this match. The only thing that I really remember about this match was Fox tapping out, and I remember that they gave them some time. It, it was a fine match. I was surprised that they gave them as long as they did but with it being a pre-show match. For the life of me, I don't understand why they go to commercial on the pre-show when the commercial is nothing more than putting over the show that you're going to watch anyway. Like here, the pre-show is an hour-long commercial to get you to watch TLC, and then they're going to do a sub-commercial inside of that commercial to tell you that TLC is coming up well, next. Yeah. yeah, you know the point of, of having the commercial in the match is to hope that you hang on through to come back as a viewer to see how it it ends. What, what the fuck is the logic to do it on your own programming? They do it on NXT all the time. And I understand it to an extent in NXT because, yeah, I understand these guys got to get used to formatting their matches for commercial breaks. I totally get that concept. But when you go to commercial and all you're doing is advertising your own product, 
It's like, what in what, the fuck is the point of this? What, what's kind of nice, uh, as you were, you were mentioning, it, they actually gave them time. If we pull out the two marquee matches in Baylor Styles and in the TLC match, this match was actually the second longest match of the night. It went 11 minutes, and Bliss and James went 11.25. So you pull out those two marquee matches, it was the second longest match of the night. Yeah, I really took note of how much time they gave them, which really kind of surprised me. I thought Fox looked really good. I mean, we know how good Sasha is. We see her on TV every fucking week. But I was really impressed by Fox. I thought she looked really good in the match. You know, as I said, I really didn't remember anything about it. I, that means I don't remember the details, but I do remember how I felt coming away from it. It's like, hey, you know, that was a good little outing. And I've continued to be impressed by Alicia Fox in-ring work and her character work while she's in the arena. That still helped that beautiful woman. They are doing no, no favors with these extended promos backstage. I don't think they're doing either one of these girls any favors right at the moment. But, I mean, the, I, the women's division in general just kind of baffles me right at the moment. But we'll, we'll, we'll get more so to that as we go throughout the show. I was going to say, anyone out there knows how we, we feel about this, this women's division. It's, it's not that we're against it. We actually are, are so harsh on it because we actually care about it. We, we want it to succeed. We want them to be given more of an opportunity. But it goes back to lowest common denominator booking, where they're just spoon-feeding the masses and it's being accepted. That's not okay with us. What I really want is for a regular WWE pay-per-view to feature the women like they were on this show. The women had three matches on this show, and they deserve to have three matches on this show and every other show when you don't have your top seven guys stuck at the top of the card in one match. I want you to build a women's division, not just this feud going on right now, and let's run out six woman tags on Raw for five minutes just to get everybody on fucking TV. Well, they'll beat their chest and, and you know boast it. Hell, look, we had, we had all these women on the show. Well, no, you didn't. You only had that there because you got ten guys tied up in two matches. Moving on in the women's division, we go to Asuka versus Emma. Asuka's big debut. It was a good match. My only question is, was it too good of a match? You know, a lot of people out there were were kind of disappointed that it went this long, and they're, they're, already, they're already harping on it. Oh, they, they ruined Asuka. You know, how could Emma hang with her this long? You really got to realize, Asuka doesn't wrestle squash matches. No, not at all. And I think one of the things that really kind of inhibited this match was when they put up that Asuka collection on the network for people to check out who weren't familiar with her, one of the first matches that you see is Asuka versus Emma. And it wasn't which a squash was, then, so why would it be a squash now? Classic. Yeah, it wasn't a squash then, why would it be a squash now? I thought Emma looked great in this match. Well, out of respect to Emma, who is a tremendous in-ring performer, you know, this gave her a chance to shine there. I, I really think this... I was kind of looking for a way to maybe describe this to individuals that, that don't really understand that Asuka doesn't, it's not her style. She doesn't need to be just mowing through people. And, and I came up, it goes back to, you know, what, what makes Paul Heyman so good in so many cases. It goes back to the, the, the ancient art of the promo. Build your opponent up so when you ultimately win, you look stronger. 
you know, thinking thinking it in terms of like sports. When we think about like all the, the you know the great uh, basketball teams, football, baseball, all those great teams, no one really remembers those games where, where they dominate the shit out of the other team. It's it's when they had to reach down deep inside and unle- unleash that that testicular fortitude to emerge victorious. That's what we remember about them. I did think there was one benefit to this match, and the benefit was now everybody who was watching knows who Asuka is. They know who her character is because she's that good. And they've seen basically all of her offense. So now when you see it again, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, I saw her do that to Emma. That was good. But I think part of the problem with this match, it was, what, nine minutes, I believe, was the the time on it. I was just going to dive into the time on this. Uh, it ran just nine and a half. It was like 920, if I remember correctly. It was about nine and a half minutes. So the problem is they were adding time to basically everything on this card to shorten that TLC match, which was still like 10 minutes too long. You see, I, I had here in my notes, you know, it went nine and a half minutes right around there. I mean, I would have really liked to have seen this thing go like 12 minutes. Really? See, I was thinking more along the lines of like five to six minutes. I, I thought... The night of the show, I even made a comment in a live chat that I, I thought it was in that the time it fell in was kind of odd to me. Like, I almost felt that it should have been it should have been, been longer. It should have been shorter or longer. And I and I am more inclined to say that it, it should have won longer. See, I would have went shorter. But I guess that's just personal taste. And, and my only gripe with this match, and I, and I know I, we hardly ever really pick on their in-ring work, but why the hell was Asuka using an ankle lock? Well, I don't put that on Asuka. I put that on whoever helped lay that match out, whether it was producer, agent, whatever. Yeah, that would have to be your agent just to realize, hey, we got a guy that's stepping in a WWE ring for the first time. How long? It was over a decade, right? First time in 11 years. First time in 11 years. Maybe we shouldn't use uh, his signature move here. Yeah, that was just absolutely asinine. And I know it's a part of Asuka's regular offense, but I know that. So whoever the producer is, sure as fuck should have known that and just straight up told her, don't do that in your match tonight. That's the extent of it. That's how far that goes. If that agent producer, if that's your first day on the damn job, just use Wikipedia. Look at her signature moves. Yeah. Look through, hey, you know what? Maybe we're gonna scratch this one out. You know, let's go over to this one here. But any, but you know, that's just that's just a minor gripe. Oh, that it was annoying though. I mean, it was just one of those things because it just stood out so promptly, especially after they just did that huge package about Kurt off the top of the show. Afterwards, we go to the cruiserweight tag match. This is hilarious because when I was writing up the format, I actually put in the notes. I legitimately don't remember this match. So you know what I did, Rick? I went back and I watched this match this morning. Being the ever professional that you are, Yargo. And now I don't remember this match. There was nothing memorable about this match. Kids, which uh, brings us to our PSA of the day. 420 is not your friend. I had one other note on this match that I actually put in my notes when I watched it the second time. Hashtag 
no more headbutts. I never need to see Gallagher do that again. It bothers me every single time I see him do it, and every single time I see him do it, I'm going to put it in the format of the show. Hashtag no more headbutts. And that's, well, it all goes back to the incident that it, it weighs heavy on you. It, yeah. I watched Shibata and Okada live as it was airing, and I'll never get that sound out of my mind. Well, it's just one of those moments, you know, just anything in life that, where it's, it's so dramatic, it just shocks you to the core, and you're going to carry it with you for, for the rest of your life. Yep. Every time I see a headbutt, I'm going to be waiting for somebody to die. Every time. You know, Hate it. My, my take on this match, you know, heading in, heading into the pay-per-view, I thought they did a great job hyping this. Man. I thought, you know, all the character work was on point. The feud was moving along. The, the promo packages, they were great. They, they, if you're watching those, you kind of perk up a little bit. Hey, what's going on here? But I kind of step back, you know, on these pay-per-views, when you're hitting in that two-hole, man, that's a tough position to be in. Yeah, because it's an immediate come-down match. And you, and you can just tell that that's how they book it. And I think the match here, it, it was fine. We got the usual, the usual spots from our, from our cruiserweights and all that. You know, unfortunately, though, I don't think it did, it did much to move their feud in any direction. Everything was just kind of like running in place. They're all, they're all fast and flashy, and they look good, but we're not really going anywhere. I felt very much the same way about Alexa Bliss versus Mickey James. It, we're, we're running in place, and we're not really going anywhere. Now, I want to give them some credit coming in here. I, and we have been very critical of the storytelling behind this feud, which was rightfully deserved. I mean, it was just got off. They could have went in a number of other directions here. But within that narrative, I want to give them credit because they really got fans behind Mickey here. You know, credit where credit's due. We bust them all the time. They've really got fans behind Mickey. They did a nice job of building it to it where it seemed like, you know, if, you, if you're out there talking with the fans here and there, wherever you kind of mingle with your, your other wrestling, pro wrestling enthusiasts, people were, they were believing she had a shot to make history here. I totally forgot all about all that creative. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Not, yeah, because the bad of this program has outweighed the good of this program just tenfold for me. And I'm just not interested in the program because it's just been so low brow. As far as the match goes, I thought the match was fine. I was a little surprised by the clean finish. Did that surprise you at all? Yeah, it it, it did. And did you kind of get a vibe there? This was almost like a retirement match atmosphere. It felt like one of two things were happening. Either Mickey James was about to retire or she was getting called up to NXT. <laughs> That's what it felt like to me. And yes, I said called up to NXT because NXT is a much better show. I hope to talk about it on Thursday. And what really kind of kind of throws a swerve my way, I'm not really sure where, where Mickey goes from here. You know, because... From everything we're seeing, it seems like November means it's time to hit the pause button and enter the Bizarro Land for Survivor Series. So, you know, where where does her future lie here? It seems like they're going to stick with this program. That's why I said it just feels like we're running in place. And it's like, dude, Alexa beat you clean in the middle of the ring. Like, that's the end of the feud. As far as I'm concerned, right? Yeah, you got you got beat clean. 
You couldn't step up to any. She was putting you down. She was slamming you hard, hard, hard. She she gave you more reason in the world than anything to reach down inside and come out and get that victory. And you you couldn't do it. You came up short. And it's not like you're a perennial name that's at the top of that division. You came out of nowhere and were giving something on accomplishments from from a resume that you've been building years and years ago. It's not like you're the hot item right now. For a long time, Alexa Bliss has been one of my favorite female wrestlers. In watching this match, I realized Alexa Bliss is quickly just becoming one of my favorite wrestlers. She, I'm sick and tired of these goddamn people who say that she can't wrestle. She tells more of a goddamn story in that ring than any of the women, and I would say probably about 95% of the men. Her facials are great. Her body language is great. I don't give a shit about her moves. It goes back. It is what I, I, I agree with you 100% there. If it's, if it's just or anybody, it's just that logic that you laid out there. I don't give a shit about the flip-flop and all it's, you know, your rope-to-rope, corner-to-corner, your mat technician and all that. You've got to be able to work a crowd and tell a story. And that is what the people that have made the most money in this business, that is what they excel at. That's why she's the champ. She's so fucking good. She very much, as much as I, I love me some Tyler Breeze, she very much reminds me of a female version of Tyler Breeze when Tyler Breeze became my favorite wrestler. He's not the flashiest guy in the ring, but I tell you what, he can sell his ass off and he can tell one hell of a story if you give him 10 minutes. The female version of Tyler Breeze. That's funny. I just keep thinking about the actual female version of Tyler Breeze that we see every week. That's fantastic. Oh, Tyler Breeze. Kalisto and Enzo, the guys that Tyler should be beating up. Enzo regaining the Cruiserweight Championship here. I was going to say here, we've got the record time. Two-time Cruiserweight Champion. How you doing? I love that Enzo can't talk right now. That is cracking my ass up. How poetic. That, that was genius last night. On that intro. Oh, that was, yeah. I, I thought it was one of the, the maybe subtle. Yeah, I don't even think little, I have uh, that on the Raw review. But yeah, that was freaking great. A bit subtle, but man, did it just, it hit all the marks. I mean, it, it was some classic entertainment. It was probably it was probably more of the one, like, you know, off the beaten path, entertaining parts of the evening last night. As far as the match goes, Enzo gets the belt back. Which is the right call. Which is the right call. You know, we, we could, let's face it. Kalisto taking that title was a PR stunt brought about by so many circumstances. You know, just about what was going on with the Latin Heritage Munch, what, what they were trying to play to to get him a pop there, and everything going on with Neville. But it was the right call to get the belt back on Enzo, get it back on that heat machine. Now he can keep rolling on. Are they doing the rematch tonight on 205 Live? Have you heard? That is, yes. He actually, on Raw last night, uh, there was a brief segment with Kalisto where he came out and said, he said he's, he's okay. This was right before they announced their, their 10-man match last night. He came out and said, I'm okay with losing if it was someone that I respect, but I don't respect Enzo. I should still be champ. That's why that I'm requesting my, my guaranteed rematch, and it's going to happen on 205 Live. In case you're wondering why I didn't know that, it's called the fast forward button. Hey, you know, you know the only thing going back that we had talked about this man. I, this match, it was it was okay. You know, it fell in where where it needed to be. 
Man, this really could have used that ladder gimmick. Man, I felt like every one of these matches that we just talked about was like a two and a half star match. Or if you're grading on a A through F scale, it was a C. Like, you know, it, it was just, it was good. That's all I can say about it. It was good. With everything, the, the adversity that they were facing, man, if they could have slapped a couple gimmicks on this undercard, especially with, that, you know, not that they were bad matches or anything, but it really would have, you know, just, just juiced it up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're doing thumbs up, down, in the middle, they're in the middle. You know, it, it, it was good. It was a solid wrestling show. My only thing, other thing from this, you know, he ends up gets the wheel, st- steals that win with a poke to the eye. I wish it would have been something a little a more, bit more drastic than that. Yeah, something a little more dastardly. I really want to see him just sleaze balling up here. I I just I don't understand what's going on, and I don't even really care to figure it out. That's just I'm. And it sucks because I was a huge fan of the cruiserweight division in WCW. I love the New Japan Junior Heavyweight division. I really wanted to invest in 205 Live and the cruiserweight division. And it's just completely been a miss for me. When the biggest star that you have is Enzo Amore and he can't work, (laughs) you know, it's like, well, well, brother, you can't go from the top steakhouse to steak and shake. Yeah. I just I feel like this show could be saved so easily given three quarters of the talent in NXT would belong on 205 Live. I can't believe that Johnny Gargano would not be best for business on 205 Live right now. Hey, this seems like a a great opportunity for a shameless little plug here. Anyone out there listening, as Yargo just alluded to, We've had some, we've had some quick fixes, some good fixes to help get some energy behind 205 Live. So if you want to you want to check out what we had to say about it, you can always go back in our archives. It was the last episode. Was that uh, episode eight? Correct. Episode eight, I think it was. You can you can check out episode eight. You can head on over to our Facebook page, facebook.com backslash forward slash hitting the marks. We've got a a bullet point there, which is kind of just a a brief video look inside the show, or you can head over to YouTube and find us. We also have that video there, but what we actually go down, we take the, the philosophy of the SmackDown six and we apply that to all the major brands uh, currently in WWE. And actually it was, it was a, it was a great listen. We run it all down, but the two Oh five was probably the best part of the show. Now, before we get to Balor versus styles, I'm going to save that for a second. Cause I want to talk about Elias and Jason Jordan before we talk about Balor and Styles, because this kind of ran throughout the show. What did you think of the Elias segments and then the Jason Jordan involvement into the Elias segments? Yeah, I think it's hard to, you know, all this together, man, this was like the, this was the W, WTF of the show here. I was, was I was just sitting there thinking, how much time do you guys got to fill? I mean, they, they did what three segments throughout this show? Three, three segments, and it, to me, they they were all just pretty much garbage. I mean, why can't we tack on? You know, you mentioned earlier that it looked like they were shortening these matches. I mean, why for this? I this just didn't need didn't any time here. It. Didn't understand it. And the whole like throwing vegetables 
at well, yeah. Where the hell did this even? Where does this even come to, come from? You're trying to get Jordan over as a baby, right? So you got now you got him acting like an immature jackass. Yeah, he just seemed like a kind of a douchebag. Like people, people for some reason really enjoy listening to Elias's songs. Well, it comes to anything that they can chant along with. Yeah, I mean, it, it's whatever. On. You know, but Elias is getting some heat, and I like it. I, I'm ready to walk with Elias. It's it's pretty amazing when you think about all the NXT call, call-ups that have just flat-out busted in, the, in the, the ones that we are currently scratching our heads, you know, looking at scratching our heads. And then you have someone like Elias that, that no one really thought of, thought anything of in NXT and now he is beginning to soar. Well, Alexa Bliss. Alexa Bliss was nothing more than a valet in NXT. And then they called her up to the main roster and everybody was like, eh, not sure about that one. And she's the best woman on the freaking roster. And I think part of it is expectations. You know, Bailey was so freaking over in NXT that we all thought there's no way they can fuck this up. And now, I, they did. I don't think it has all to do. It does have to do with some expectations. I think it's just the drastic style. And, you know, the presentation and who who they're presenting it to. You got all the, you, your NXT is more is your smarkier crowd, your hardcore fan base, your fanboy, if, if you will. They're eating that stuff up. Now, when they come up to the red and the, and the blue brand, you have a grander audience. You have the more casual audience. They're not, they're not nitpicking everything you're doing in the ring there. They, they want you to pull them in, and that comes down to great storytelling in the ring. You were talking about Bliss's, how, how she sells everything, her, her facial expressions, her, her body movements, her body language. That's what it's about, drawing people in, making them care, getting them invested. What I did not like about this was it being a cooldown match between Balor versus Styles and the TLC match. I did not understand the logic there whatsoever. Now, granted, I watch a lot of New Japan, but why in the world would you want to cool down the crowd before going into the TLC match? Why would you want to do that? I'm not a fan of these cooldown matches on any of these pay-per-views here, and I'm not saying. And I believe me, I I really appreciate the new Japan structure, you know, because they just started off. And there's just when they start their show, you start like with the legends and the rookies, and you just yeah, you, you progressively build to your main event. Well, you know, yeah, you start with that nostalgia act, which is kind of packing that snow together, and then you get into your matches, and that begins to roll downhill. So by the time you get to where you're going, man, there is a there's a massive snowball there, you know. Everything's been building up to that moment. I'm I'm okay with with WWE, you know, maybe tweaking things here and there. But these complete cooldown matches, but you know, to build up right before your main event. I, you know, that's what I'm saying. They don't have to be blockbusters. But don't put the damn crowd to to sleep. Don't bring the show to a screeching halt. Yeah, I think I felt like that was one of the big things that was wrong with the TLC match. I mean, think of how hot that crowd would have been coming out of Balor versus Styles going into the TLC. 
but instead yeah. you 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 cool them down so much hell probably some people were out getting beer taking a leak well yeah then yeah you're 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 turning people's attention even away from your own product like you said they're getting up they're moving they're gonna they're gonna try to hurry up and make a run for something even on top of that you know you do a short cool down match well if there's people still in line they're missing your damn main event here yeah, the logic to that just escapes me. And I mean, and it's and it's real basic stuff. It's real basic stuff. I mean, when you look at boxing cards going back 40 fucking years, that's how they build their cards. It's just like Japan does. Like first, I don't know who had the idea of the cooldown match. I I it, when I watch some of the early WWE pay-per-views, I don't notice cooldown matches. Attitude Era, I sure as hell don't notice them. They would have a lesser match every now and then in there. But you got to remember, if, if you're so worried about giving people a break there in your show, then bring back the intermission. Amen. I love intermission at New Japan shows. That's when you go and you make a sandwich and you go to the bathroom and you go outside and you have a cigarette and... That way I'm not yeah. missing any of the action. Take 10 minutes in the show, kick it over to Renee Young at the control center. You know, talk about, just briefly talk about what we had just seen and then start hyping again. Show us the highlights of what we've already missed for those just tuning in. And then yeah. move on to the rest of the card. Maybe, you know, maybe save some, nothing over the top, but maybe you got some developments or you're going to go... Backstage for just a moment. Nothing that's really that you that's important that you have to see. But yeah, just get away from the in-ring action there. And then when you come back from intermission, it's fine to put this match as the first match because people hear, "Oh, another match is starting. I need to make my way back to my seat." And that's and that is it. And this would be a prime example that you hear that guitar kind of going, "Oh, something's going on there." Let's start making our way back. And so if you don't get there in total time, hey, you didn't miss a whole lot. But get but get back in your seat or get back in your air because you're not going to want to miss these these final two that are coming up. So let's talk about the final two here. Let's start with Balor versus Styles. Um, what did you think of the match? Did you enjoy the match? Yeah, I enjoyed the match. I I, I really thought it was more. It very much felt like a New Japan match. It had that flow. I think I think because you know they they probably didn't have a lot of time to work through some things with each other. So they just went back to what they both know that they're very familiar with. And that would be a little different. I got, I, what I took away from it, this was, this was much more of a teaser to me of things that could come between these two. It was more of an appetizer. I don't understand all the distaste that I'm seeing for this match online. I mean, the general consensus seems to be that this was a four, four and a quarter star match. Uh-huh. What the fuck were you expecting? It's the first time they've ever faced off. Of course it was a four, four and a quarter star match. I mean, if, if you went into this match expecting it to be Omega Okada, then y your expectations were just way too high. Well, I think that's what it was. Everyone heard all this hype. You know, these guys have come from, from Japan. They know this style. This is going to be the match of the ages. What goes back to what we were talking about before this match took place, we we're talking about on the booking show. 
you're, yeah, it was going to be a hell of a performance in the ring there. But there's so much more that goes into these programs. I mean, we didn't have any kind of backstory here to really get us invested. That, that really even would let the performers go out there and, and, you know, illustrate their true emotions in the match like this. They the really couldn't get overly invested. The only creative going into this match was the creative that people had constructed inside their minds. Right. And they just, they shoot way too high. This was a fantastic match. There's nothing wrong with having a four and a quarter star match. If you approach this as what it was, is what it was, nothing more, nothing less. It was an exhibition match. And that's what I took it as. I was, I was very entertained by it. And I got a feeling watching it, my immediate thought after the match was, man, when they get into a real program, we're going to see something special. So at the end of the match, the demon raises the two sweet. Styles raises the two sweet. And immediately, some fans jump to this ridiculous conclusion. Oh, that wasn't planned. Oh, they're taking a shot at the Young Bucks. What wasn't the planned. fuck? I did see where I did see where uh, Styles was trying to play off that Vince didn't completely know about it. Yeah, come on, boy, you ain't got that kind of balls. Yeah, I mean, and especially when they made mention twice of the famed club on the, the notorious program. club. Yeah, they knew exactly what they were doing. They 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 were working everyone over. They knew they were going to get their little pop. It was a feel good moment, and that's what it was. It was cool. It was cool. It was awesome seeing those two guys go at it. It was a dream match. Completely lived up to my expectations. I thought it was the best match Balor had had on the main roster. Oh, most certainly. Yeah, it finally got to... It was an opportunity for him to really go out there and showcase, you know, just a glimpse of, of what he's all about. Yeah, for, for the people who don't get Finn Balor, that's Finn Balor. This thing won 1820. Were you expecting longer, or was that right around the ballpark that you were? Well, I expected it to go a little bit closer to a half hour, but I'm not surprised at all that it went 20 minutes. AJ looked exhausted. In his face, he just looked tired. And, I mean, it was an 18-hour flight. Everyone has to remember, he just got off that 18-and-a-half-hour flight. So he, he was probably running on fumes, and he gave us everything he had in the tank. And I thought it was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Hats off to, hats off to both gentlemen from, uh, from hitting the marks. Where do you have that inside of your WWE match of the year? Do you think that match will be considered for match of the year from the WWE side? Uh, I personally would not include it there. I mean, I'd really have to sit down and think about where, you know, how I'd rank everything there. Just the lack of a backstory. I mean, for me, the match of the year is still Dunn versus Bate. Yeah, uh, enough here with, with the lack of the backstory and just more or less just being an exhibition kind of disqualifies it in my book. Fair but enough. I'd really have to sit there and I'd really have to, to put some thought into how you know everything else stacks up. Well, let's talk about what is certainly not going to be the match of the year. The Shield with Kurt Angle versus Team Miz. 
let's let's start with i don't even know where you want to start i mean this thing was just a train wreck which is fine i mean it's tlc i expected a train wreck you know granted it, it was nice that moment for angle yeah that was cool nice little pop you know he's back after you could tell he was enjoying himself you know it's it's something he was fully embracing he was really into that's cool man they overbooked this son of a bitch oh it should completely it should have been it should have been just about that moment like i said this is a novelty show you've thrown it together last minute go out there and just have that good moment they had so much going on here that it, it it just it fell flat for me for me i i guess let's break this down in parts let's start with angle what did you think of angle coming out with the shield and the full tactical gear and did you have any thoughts about that when you first saw it no i I was cool with it it was a different look for him i know some people were busting he looked a little awkward and all that what was your line you you compared him to uh a busted he looked he looked like a busted condom he looked like a busted black condom Come on. I, I don't think it was that bad. Well, no. I mean, just the bald-ass white head coming out he of coming all out that the, black gear, he looked like a giant penis. I'm not saying that Kurt Angle's a dick. I'm saying he looks like a penis. And I can understand why they went that direction. You know, because, you know, heading into a seminist, we're talking about, man, why now? Why, why are you doing this? You know, there's so much money to be had down the road with that big grand return. So I think maybe in their head, they're like, well, we could just run him out there but he's a member of the shield this time. We'll save the big Olympic hero. My first thought was Kurt looks thin, which doesn't surprise me. I mean, Kurt's in great shape, but he's not in in-ring shape. Right. And so I thought, you know, maybe they put him in the shield gear just so he wouldn't be quite so self-conscious going out there and running around in his underwear. As the match went on, I guarantee you that was a real flak jacket. I mean, he, that dude was taking some chair shots to the ribs, chair shots to the back. They put him in that shield gear to protect him, which I thought was an incredibly smart move above everything else. Well, there you go. So, you know, as we sit there and everyone's kind of, that's one of those things that we're, we're nitpicking. If you really look at it. I thought it was the was, smart thing to some, do. There is some logic there. You know, it's just not always people like, oh, you want a bitch to complain and nitpick about everything. Well, yeah, it's fine. But then show us the logic. So, yeah, once I saw him going after Kurt with chairs, I was like, okay, that's a real flak jacket. That's what's going on here. Do you think he got a little gassed at all? Oh, I think a little bit. I mean, he had that one bump where he kind of went between the ropes and landed on his head, which made me kind of cringe when I first saw it. And I don't know if it was like so much that, that he blew up. I don't think it was so much that he blew up. It was, I think it was just that was how they scripted it in case he did blow up because he wasn't even sure how hard he was going to be able to go. Right, if he needed that downtime. And I, I think that you know before he took his, his exit from the match, I don't think it's so much that, you know, that he was gassed, but you could tell he was trying to get back in that groove. He was trying to find his stride and get that feel for what was kind yep. of going on. Yeah, and I mean, it's the first time Kurt's been in a ring and – a couple of years regardless i mean it, a lot fewer than 11 i can tell you that it never ceases to boggle my mind how they pretend like tna just does not exist 
No, uh, and I think because who was that fucker that dropped that line? He hasn't wrestled in eleven years. Yeah, and it's like, See, dude, come on. No, I, and I don't even blame that on WWE. I think that was just Booker with a slip of the tongue because they because because Graves and them have even mentioned that it's only, it's been three years. They have mentioned three years in other instances. It was just Booker who forgot to say he hasn't been in a WWE ring in eleven years. Right, but it's not just. Kurt. I mean, they treat the Hardys the same way. They treat Joe the same way. They treat AJ the same way. They treat Mickey the same way. Like they try, they try so hard to not let you know that TNA exists. It's just it's, ridiculous. It's not just TNA. It goes all the way back. It, they would rarely ever recognize anyone from another promotion. That's why you would see the gimmick changes from anyone that was coming from the territories. They didn't want to. It was their world. They live in they're in their own universe. I just think in this day of interconnected social media, that is a dated practice that absolutely needs to change. I'm not saying that you got to get along with New Japan, but at least acknowledge that they exist when it's a returning talent who's been gone for like four years rather than just pretending like he's been living in his mom's basement for four years. Maybe they wanted to acknowledge TNA, but they just didn't know what the hell to call it. Well, there is that possibility. There is that possibility. One other thing with Kurt Angle, and this is more so about Braun Strowman. Props to the Jolly Green Giant for protecting Kurt when he put him through that table. That was the most protected power slam through a table I think I've ever seen. And it looked great. Props to Braun Strowman on that one. Cradled him like a little baby. Unfortunately, things didn't work out so good for our hero as we witnessed the murder of Braun Strowman later in the match. Legit murder of Braun Strowman. What the hell was that, man? See, this is where we get into it. This is the overbooking portion. Well, we both called that Kane was going to turn and you were going to end up with Kane versus Strowman. You and I both called that on the Around the Pool. Yeah, I think it's a logical, you know, it's just a logical move to to eliminate these these two monsters. If, you know, you got you had to get them out of there some but way, you which didn't they really have to murder Braun. Well, you didn't have to over. You could have done it very simple. You could have just had them begin fighting with one another and then disappear. It's they're out of sight, out of mind. You know, I didn't, have them just brawl to the back and keep on going. Yeah, and they're gone. They're they're disappeared now. I thought the chair from the ceiling spot, that was cheesy. We didn't need that. And it, I, Yeah, but you have, to, you have to go in expecting a certain amount of cheese when it's TLC. Uh, and I take that with a grain of salt, you know? I, I could have lived with that. You're, you're all right, because you're going to have one of, a spot like that. It is tables, ladders, and chairs. You're going to have some kind of spot like that. They're, they're always worked into the match. But then when you couple that with with this damn garbage truck showing up. Yeah, that I didn't understand at all. I was really hoping it was a milk truck. I was really hoping it was a milk truck. I think you and a couple million other fans fans were. So Kane versus Strowman looks like that's going to be the program going forward. I, do we agree that this effectively turns Braun Strowman into a babyface? I mean, the man has legitimately been murdered. 
Well, I think, you know, they're sitting with, they see the reaction that he is getting. Just go with it. And now they're just going to, they're going with it. Which, you know, it's kind of funny. They notice, hey, you know what? These people want to cheer him. Let's make him a baby. Now, hmm. But where, but, where else but they might do that logic? Men, where else might that logic apply? Just God. Speaking of Roman, I can't believe that they still found a way to put Roman Reigns over when he wasn't even in the fucking building. Hey man, you got to keep Roman over strong. Oh my God, I was just. Oh, they're paying homage to the big dog. Never, that, yeah, that. I that never, kind of a, I never wanted to shit in Mitchell Cole's mouth so badly. Just another moment where they're overexerting themselves, along with the overbooking, to diminish this moment for Kurt Angle. So I really don't have anything to say about the bar or Rollins and Ambrose, other than I'm happy that Rollins is all right. He scared me to death when he went off of that ladder and when he hit the table and immediately started grabbing his knee. Uh, yeah. Well, hold on. You know, how about the when they were going to hit him with the uh, the crucifix power bomb through there, and the damn thing didn't break. Yeah, that. I mean, who was gimmicking these tables? They should have bought the like five dollar tables instead of the thirty dollar tables. I mean, well, then, you know, the other thing I got from from Rollins and Ambrose. I mean, are these the toughest sons of bitches that ever lived? Absolutely. I mean, there's pr- absolutely there's pr- there's prisoners in Guantanamo Bay who have it easier than these two did in this match. Yeah. I mean, how are they still, logically, how how are they still moving after this? Well, I mean, like, even after Rollins, after that spot where he was grabbing his knee, I was so scared he was hurt. And I'm, like, even asking the wife as we're sitting there watching it, and I'm like, have we even seen Seth, like, stand up since that table spot? Unless, like, somebody was helping him up to knock him back down? Like, I... It was probably 10 minutes after that table spot before I knew if Seth was all right or not. Because he was just selling his ass off because all he was doing was getting the shit kicked out of him. Him and Ambrose both, man. They both took an ass whipping on that show. My God. It was overbooked. There was too much going on. They were trying to cover so many bases. It should have been about Kurt, but I guess at the at the end of the day... Kurt had his moment. It, it it was it felt good to see him back there. So I guess we're gonna hang our hat on that. I thought Miz was the MVP of the show, which some people probably think sounds absolutely ridiculous. I, I don't. You know what? Actually, I I, I agree with you one hundred percent. I he, he showed back, you he, he was the focal point of the match. Wherever Miz is, that's what you're supposed to be watching now. Miz is taking your eyes off of people resting on the outside. Miz is taking your eyes off Angle being gone for half the match. Miz is directing traffic. Miz controlled that entire match. Even when he wasn't doing anything, if you just kept his eye, if you kept your eyes on him, his subtleties, he's so good right now at everything he's doing in there. I mean, he truly has become that go-to ring general. Yep, he he is evolved into a performer that is far beyond anything i ever expected and i'm an old school misfit overall i thought it was a surprisingly good show they built up a lot of good faith with their audience given the circumstances i was kind of excited for monday night raw not excited enough that i'd stay awake for it but i was kind of excited for monday night raw 
And then we got what we got on Monday night. Any other thoughts on the TLC show itself? No, I'm ready to move on. I, I'm just um, I'm doing some breathing exercises here. I, I'm just trying to tell myself it, it's going to be okay. I, I'm just trying to, to center my chi. Because we're heading to Monday night. and uh, it, it, This might get ugly. I just I don't understand a lot of this show. I just don't understand a lot of this show. Angle comes out, announces all these championship matches. Immediately, the one selling point of this show, which is supposed to be Brock Lesnar's big response to Jinder Mahal, is already blown, and you haven't seen Paul Heyman or Brock Lesnar. That's that's exactly what I had here. You know, it's you know what gets me is that you ha- you have Ginger. Ginger actually goes out and he shows some balls. He shows that he's ready to to show. Hey, you know, I, I really am a, a great champ. Going to be a little show, a little innovation. He's going to throw out the ultimate challenge. He challenges Brock. He he wants the beast. He's going to show everyone. Then, like you said, the whole selling point of this show. Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman, they're going to be here. They're going to respond to Ginger Mahal. They're going to answer the other champion's challenge. Are we going to get champ first champ? And, and there was some good intrigue there. You know, then Kurt comes out right off the bat, says the match is made. You know, and then he announces all that all the other titles are going to be set up in matches just like this. It's just devalued and shit on everything. I mean, why the hell are Brock and, and Heyman, why are they even here now? Well, we'll get to Brock and Paul here in, in just a minute. Let's talk about some of these other title matches real quick. A lot of heel versus heel here. Why in the world do I want to watch Natalia take on Alexa Bliss? They knew what kind of threw me for a loop here. While Kurt, right before he announced these, he did make a point to say, if they are still champion. Now, I'm not suggesting that we're going to get a, multiple changes here, but I am expecting one of these titles somewhere to change. But even if only one of them changes, Alexa versus Natty does nothing for me. Baron Corbin versus Miz does absolutely nothing for me. Brock Lesnar versus Jinder Mahal does a very, 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 very little bit of something for me. Just because I'm curious how in the fuck they're going to book it. The only one of these matches that makes any sense to me is the Shield versus the Usos. And I'm not even excited to see that. But at least you have a face-heel dynamic and you give a shit who's supposed to win and who's supposed to lose. I think they, you know, when they added all these title versus title matches, the bad taste in my mouth, it just, I I just really don't care about what's going on. You know, you had something unique and special that you could have had just highlighting your two top champions like this. Or at least let them, at least have that be the focal point for a couple weeks and then you can add the other ones in two weeks. We just bitched about this last week, 
that when they actually have an important a show of importance that it is driven by real storylines that move your talents from week to week, month to month, year to year, they throw together matches a week before the event. Now we have Survivor Series is essentially a novelty event. You're just throwing the brand together. It's November. It's time for us to hate each other. It's rivalry week. Whatever. And, but now they feel the need. You've got to announce every damn thing a month ahead of time? How about like building some story there? Give, give me a reason, some tension. That why, why, does, you know, why does Natty think she's better? You know, what, why do the Usos and why do they care about the Shield? They don't. They don't. Let's talk about a couple potential title changes. Because um, I picked up on that verbiage as well. I think the logical ones here are Charlotte would defeat Natalia, so then you would end up with Charlotte versus Alexa, which I don't think is a match that they want to do just yet. Is there anybody else that you could see beating Natty on the babyface side of SmackDown to take on Alexa? The way that they've been positioned at this point, I don't. I mean, the way anyone's positioned, it's going to have to be you know, unless it's Charlotte, and and I still think that they're going to hold out and do that at the uh, Starcade Live event. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, so let's. So other than that, you just have to. You would have to just slingshot somebody to the top. So let's look at the Raw side. Any chance that Mickey wins the championship from Alexa before Survivor Series? So you end up with Mickey James versus Natalia. Are you interested in that match? I I I could understand where you could build a base there. You know, it's, you've got two great in-ring performers. They can obviously go. I just think at this point, why would you pull that title switch on uh, on your average show? Yeah, why wouldn't you have done it of, last in, night, right? On still having instead of having that grand moment at TLC where you're gonna have that great celebration for her. Is there anybody that you could see Baron Corbin losing to at this point? Ty Dillinger, maybe. So you'd end up with Ty Dillinger versus Miz? I'm not even that invested in Ty Dillinger after seeing the shit that he pulls here later in this show. Yeah, and I and I, I just don't see anybody else to take the title off of Baron Corbin right now. Miz? Who's Miz going to drop the title to between now and Survivor Series? He's not, he's not even involved in a regular feud. Well, it's, I think you're going to end up turning this into. They're going to play it off. Where if you're wearing red, you're going to turn into the face in this show. So Miz is going to go out there and play the baby. How is that beneficial for the Miz at this point? I mean, it's just... it, it isn't. That's why this entire concept is stupid as hell. Any chance gender loses? Of course not, because India, right? The Indians who are in December. So that's not happening. Well, now there's a root. Well, now there's a rumor that that they're going to bring in a special guest referee for this, and the lead candidate for that is John Cena. Yeah, yeah. So you end okay, up with so you, Jinder Mahal versus Brock Lesnar with John Cena as the special guest referee. I okay. What? Well, get ready. I, I just someone someone call SummerSlam 1997. Cena Cena will cost Ginger somehow something will come up where there is conflict between those two, and guess what? Now y'all don't. Do not murder me over saying this. But guess what? That means that Jinder's going to hold that title going to WrestleMania. 
break and JBL's record and become the longest reigning champion in the history of SmackDown Live and blah, 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 blah. Blueprint. Blueprint SummerSlam 97. God. Special guest special referee cost a challenger. Or not a challenger, one of the competitors a match in this case. And, and we got to spark for a feud. So let's go over the rest of Raw here real quick because I didn't think there was a whole lot worth talking about on this show. Uh, AJ Dean and Seth versus Miz in the Bar. I thought it was a fine match, but it did absolutely nothing for anybody in any storyline whatsoever, and it was the first half hour of the show. They did nothing moving forward. And at the time, with, without knowing what I know now, I kind of thought, you know, it's... It's a fine match, right? Like I, I, I even actually have here my notes. Pretty much just what you said here, but, but then you know it. I just feel, I thought it was maybe just like a nice transition match for the crowd, get them going. You know, it's exciting. You got AJ back for another night, but yeah, but, but you're right, 100. percent It ate up too much time and it had nothing. It was a time filler. Kane comes out, destroys Dean Ambrose, destroys Seth Rollins, destroys AJ Styles. For those of you not missing Pyro, are you missing it now that Kane's back? Because I'm really missing those flames. That entrance just doesn't seem half as cool without the Pyro. That shock of the the awe and surprise that the baby faces sell every time Kane comes out, it's just not the same without the Pyro. And you know, after you know, he lays waste to uh you know the Shield and company and I mean, it was a weird transition going into the match. Well, I mean, then they go to commercial. They come back from commercial. Kane's still in the ring with his music playing. So we're led to believe that Kane's just been standing there now for three minutes. Then we go to a video package that explains the murder of Braun Strowman. So it's another two to three minutes. Kane's still standing in the ring with his music playing. Until finally he cuts a promo that I didn't think was a very good promo at all. I'm the only monster on Monday nights. What? I think I missed that part. I I don't know if I was if I went down to get something to eat or I, I was probably totally fucking fell in. asleep. Man, it just seemed like he I saw him choke slamming Ambrose. And then like I just remember like the next thing I came to and I was like, wait a minute, he's got a fucking match with Baylor? Kane demands that he wants some competition, very much like Braun Strowman used to do. Out comes Finn Balor. So, 24 hours after beating the phenomenal AJ Styles, Finn Balor gets basically murdered by Kane. Not one choke slam, not two choke slams, three choke slams, trying to put Kane over strong. Do you think they uh, they botched that choke slam off the top rope? Yes, absolutely, I do. It just looked it, it just looked incredibly awkward. It, it was so awkward looking. Now you, I, I, I'll meet you there. They're trying to get Kane over. He's he's looking great, and and normally I would say you know it's that Baylor's not the right guy for to put in that in that situation. But then I could also see a side story there where WWE's beginning to tell a story in the build. Of Baylor back to that top of that card and showing like 
hey, can he hang in the land of these giants? I saw this match, and as soon as Balor's music started, I had one thought. What in the fucking fuckity fuck 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 is going on? This was just terrible. You, you could have put Kane in there with any number of people and had that match to make Kane look strong. You didn't need to do it to Finn Balor. If you wanted to do it to Finn Balor, so at some point you can do a rematch, Demon versus Demon, that's something I could be up for. But then you have Kane be a monster and beat Finn Balor senseless on the outside with chairs and a barricade and whatever and make Kane the I don't give a fuck about your rules monster. If you're going to build him up for Braun Strowman, don't just have him beat Finn Balor. Have him destroy Finn Balor. There's a million different ways to do this, but instead they push Kane up just a little bit but Balor stock dropped considerably after beating AJ Styles the night before when it was so high. This is just absolutely asinine. This is how you bury baby faces. Well, I think it goes back to you know, it's how I approach that is an exhibition match. And I think that they, that they actually approach it that way themselves. Like, oh, okay, it's just a one-off. You know, we, just, we got through this show. The people were happy. Now let's move back on with, with the direction we've got. I'm not excusing it in any way. I'm just... I guess throwing it out there, they're, they're flawed logic, whatever the hell. Way more lost in Balor than gained in Kane last night. Way more. God, I hated that segment. Then you get Asuka versus Emma in the rematch, which was very much the same match that you got the night before with the same complaints that you had from the night before. I It, it was just... It was like watching a rerun. It's, it kind of gets me. We, we see this quite a bit. Does WWE feel that not enough people are watching the pay-per-views or that they think that people just didn't get it? Night after rematches just make no sense to me. That's when I flip over to the football game, check the score. And I might come back to Raw. I might not. Well, you're in 99% of the damn time. It's the same match that we just seen. I don't understand putting Asuka on Monday Night Raw last night unless it was to be recruited for the red brand for Survivor Series. There's no way I would have had her wrestle last night. Asuka's been on the main roster for two days and she feels like she's just another girl on the roster. Nothing special about her at all. Which, what they should have done there, they did, a, they did a great job of building up that Raw brand debut, you know, going to TLC. All, go back, do it again. She debuted there. Then show show highlights of her, of her beating Emma. And then say, next week, two weeks, she's actually coming to television. Yep, and put it over that a big deal that she's going to be fighting on television. Yeah. Because you're not going to see it very goddamn often. I would make Asuka... Make Asuka the Brock Lesnar of the women's division. You have to buy the network if you want to see Asuka fight. Yeah, well, just make it a big deal. You know, that if you missed it at TLC, oh, in two weeks, oh, we got something for you. Right here, USA Network, oh, she's coming. Yep, and then put the microphone in Emma's hand and make her put it over. 
mm-hmm. then just treat Asuka as a monster. I don't want to see Asuka in the ring cutting 15-minute promos. I don't want to see her getting paraded out with the rest of the division. At least protect somebody. I'll, I'll pet peep through this entire show and everything here, but I just wanted to hammer, hammer home a point that happened during the Asuka-Emma match. You know, stall enough match, pretty much a replay of what we've seen there. And, and sure, there were probably a lot of people watching that didn't watch that TLC match. So give it that same attention. Try to put some enthusiasm behind it. It's got to be hard for the talent to put that well, same enthusiasm less than 24 no, hours no, no, removed. No. I, I am talking going to the commentating booth. Oh, gosh. The commentary has been god-awful for weeks. You know, it's the raw debut of Asuka. And in the booth, we got Corey Graves and Booker T playing grab dick. They were arguing about a freaking podcast most of the match. I love me some Booker T, but God, he is just God awful on commentary. God awful. If I'm Joe Schmo and I didn't take and invest my time watching TLC, and this is my first taste of Oscar, they pretty much ignored her. Yep. The only thing you want to do is go listen to that podcast. Yeah. Now we can move on to Bliss and Mickey. Bliss and Mickey. I thought the segment was fine. If you're going to continue, Mickey versus Bliss, right? But the problem is, we're not. Bliss is supposed to be focused on Natalia. Natalia should be focused on Bliss, even though she has a title match with Charlotte the week after. Like, I... It doesn't make any sense. Well, I do, I do want to give uh, some credit where credit is due and show a little praise. You know, as you were talking earlier about how, how good Bliss is at those little things, I, I really loved her promo here. You know, she really went at the crowd and called them out for just, you know, just being the sheep that they, that they are and so easy manipula- manipulated when she started trying to get them with the chant thing going there. I and mean, I, I thought that was great. I and mean, she really turned it on them. I wish she would have gotten a you deserve it chant. There was some coming. That's what got me. She's sitting there inside and she is slapping you in the face. And while there was a majority booze, you could hear the undertone of you deserve it. Like, what? <laughs> so if you're Alexa, who are, who are you supposed to be focused on right now? This big red versus blue showdown with Natalia? Or are you worried about the woman that is coming for your championship, Mickey James? Well, at this point in the show, I can see because they're not expecting all of this to erupt in their face this evening. So she's just trying to maybe tidy up, to put it to bed, you know, that I took care of James. That's in the past now. So I can see her. She's trying to just, you know, just tidy everything up, put a bow, put a bow tie on her, a ribbon on it, and, and send it out. If you're Natalia, who are you focused on? Because Starcade is a week after Survivor Series, and you've got Charlotte in a cage for the championship. Or are you focused on the big red versus blue showdown with Alexa Bliss? Like It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, this is, there's so many other ways that you could present. If you want to have brand competition, that's great. We don't need all-out gang thug warfare every damn time where everyone just shifts all their damn focus towards one direction here. Paul Heyman buries Jinder Mahal on the microphone. That's 
really the next thing to talk about, which is exactly what happened. I mean, Paul Heyman just buried Jinder Mahal. Isn't that what you took out of it? Yeah, I really enjoyed the promo. And I know he came right out. You'll usually notice when I come out here, I, I put over the challengers to Brock Lesnar. And he just blatantly come out and said, you know what? I'm not, because Jinder's a giant piece of shit. Fuck Jinder Mahal. Paul Heyman, really? Paul Heyman is the voice of the internet wrestling community, is something else. The only thing that got me here is there was no reason for this. No, because Kurt blew his load at the beginning of the show. Yeah. What the hell is the point of it? Hey, man. Brock just got as easy as payday. There was no reason for him to be on the damn show. It's like they are setting the bar so low for Jinder Mahal that if he lasts like three minutes with Brock Lesnar, he can write it off as a win. That's what it seems like they're setting up here. I think this thing is going to go to a no contest. <sighs> I think there is probably discussions going on in that creative in his creative meetings that they're talking about putting him over. I can't even begin to fathom a scenario where you put Jinder Mahal over Brock Lesnar. I just, I can't. No contest, maybe. But Jinder winning outright, I just can't see it. I, I am I am not going to be surprised with some kind of major swerve coming out of this thing. So now we have the Jersey Mike segment presented by Kleenex. Sasha versus <laughs> Bailey versus Alicia Fox. Alicia Fox, now your team captain for Team Red going into Survivor Series. So this is now the comedy aspect of the show. That's pretty much what I took from it. Is that where you're at with it? Yeah, it was, this is this is a baffling move. You know, really, a question I wanted to, to pitch at you here. Maybe you can bring in some enlightenment into my life. But what does a team captain actually do? I mean, I know in the past, you know, back when, when we had our, our real traditional Survivor Series, I mean, you, in the past you had people wanting to follow a leader, to join a team, to, to take on other rivals that they had serious beef with. Now it just seems like an avenue they use just to cause this dissension amongst teammates because they're so damn lazy they can't figure anything else out to do. Especially amongst the women when it's like, okay, the, the captain gets to pick the rosters. Well, yeah, but the women's division only got like six people on it, and Alexis taking on Natty. So I don't even think do they get do they pick the roster or are they assigned? And then, and then they're supposed are, are they supposed to be the one that comes up with this master game plan of sorts, even though the other people aren't listening to them? Or, I mean, what the hell does this position even do? Why would you if you're Kurt Angle here? Why would you even name a captain? You're the general of Team Raw. Yeah, you're the general manager. You tell us who not, the not even captain. general. Not even the general manager. You're this. You know they want us to believe this is war. You're the general. You're leading your army. You put your team together and tell them to go what to do. If this doesn't lead to Alicia Fox cutting a promo next week saying, "I'm the captain now," I'll be very disappointed. So let's let's talk about the elefante in the room. What did you think of the SmackDown invasion? Uh, hang on a second. I'll go grab your shovel. If I have ever said it before, 
This is the perfect freaking example. It irritates me to no, to no end. The lowest form of goddamn, lowest common denominator booking that I've seen in 10 freaking years here, people. This was really bad. I, and some people were trying to put it over to me, and I just, I can't. I can't oh, oh, begin we're to gonna comprehend. Get, we're going to we're gonna get to some of these reasons, but just a very basic. The hypocrisy that was shown by characters that you have built up, that you've invested time in, that, that you expect us as viewers and fans to buy into. Completely, completely forgetting those traits and their personal values. Yeah, I mean, I can even go with some baby faces getting paid off by management to go jump other baby faces. I can get by with some of that, but there's some of these guys that this makes absolutely zero fucking sense. Why, why is Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode fighting side by side? Why is Baron Corbin even there when he fucking hates SmackDown? Like that, that's, that's his whole that's character. His whole gimmick. His whole character is that he hates everything about smackdown and yet there he is fighting for team blue what the fuck how out of place did nakamura look yeah shinsuke's just walking around like i don't even know what's going on right now but you're wearing a red shirt so i'm gonna i'm gonna punch you becky lynch the moral compass of the whole fucking company she's out there acting like a fucking gangster bitch just beating up her friends now because, you know, the whole four horsewomen thing, evidently red versus blue is far more vital than, you know, lifelong bond, four horsewomen, blah, 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 yeah, blah, yeah. bullshit. Red and blue run deep for life. I mean, you mean to tell me that Ricky the Dragon Steamboat would have went over to another show and jumped another baby face? Come the fuck on. What are you guys doing? There lies a point. You know, what people are... I heard that as, a, as an excuse why this makes sense. Oh, they need to show their, their brand is dominant. They, they want to make, make an impact here. Well, sure, you could be competitive and show that you're a superior athlete or that your team is better with still holding a code of honor and professional conduct. It's called going down into the ring and scoring off like a real competitor and taking someone out one-on-one as any... Babyface should. And if your excuse is, well, they did this last year. Yeah, they did do this last year. Remember when Bailey came over to SmackDown and put the beat down on him? Guess what? Bailey's never recovered from that. She has never recovered from that. Because guess what? I can't explain to my four-year-old it's November. You're going completely outside of your entire narrative structure when you're marketing to kids. Kids don't understand, oh, well, the good guys are bad guys now because it's November? Yeah, I heard that one. What's November, man? They always do this. Just just put it on pause. They'll get back to the other stuff in December. Oh, so this entire month, so so just as a fan, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to just throw logic? Throw it all out the window and just sit here with my thumb up my ass because the calendar says it's November, so red and blue, just they just must forget everything and hate each other. I would cancel the WWE Network for the month of November if it wasn't for fucking NXT. 
That's how that's how fucking stupid this was last night. Just makes absolutely no fucking sense whatsoever. How how do you hide the entire goddamn roster backstage for three fucking hours before anybody realizes they're there? Well, I got a couple of theories on that. Well, you know, they're they weren't in the building. They weren't in the building. Well, how did they get in the building? AJ, open the door. Let him in the side. Oh, how nice of Shane McMahon to lend AJ Styles to Raw for the night so he could just let the SmackDown roster in the back door and then turn around and go beat the shit out of the same fucking guys that he was tagging with earlier in the show. Good fucking God. And people trying to put this shit over to me. Tell me I'm just supposed to accept this because it's November. Well, yeah, that's that's a, a, a gentleman that I highly respect. He's a, he's a good friend of both of ours. Mr. James Money MacGyver. Had a great conversation with him about this. Until he says to me, well, this is what they do this time of year. We should just accept it. You know, that's like someone, that's like someone saying, hey, look over there at your girlfriend with that dude. And you're like, oh, that's okay. She always sucks other dudes' dick. It's cool. Let's go with it. That's that's what she does. I expect it. But she's a good kisser, too. God. My personal favorite excuse that I saw. Well, if you don't like it, why don't you just shut the TV off? Guess what? Seven million fucking people have already shut the goddamn TV off because of stupid ass bullshit like this. Good fucking God. Enjoy your 1.76 rating tonight on SmackDown. Fucking stupid as shit. Anything else that you want to say about Monday Night Raw or TLC? I am, uh, it is what it is. Man, I'm hot. You know, first impressions mean a lot. And they, they didn't even just stumble out of the gate. They pretty much just, they pretty much just shit their pants right here. And I know uh, as much as we've went off here, we've kind of gotten that out of our system. And I know we've had some conversation that they actually can save this thing. So it is what it is. We are, we are starting to look forward to it. And I, I believe on our episode Thursday that we're go- we are going to come a, a little lighter on them. And we're going to share some, some directions they might move in to maybe save this thing. As long as the Raw roster doesn't show up on SmackDown tonight. Well, you got you to well, you remember, these people are going to be listening to us post-SmackDown. Post I understand. I'm just saying, I really hope the Raw roster does not show up on SmackDown tonight. Because if you set that precedent, we're what, four weeks out still from Survivor Series? Are we, are we going to do this back and forth for four weeks? Because I already feel like that brand split is on life support. And if we're going to go back and forth like this for four weeks, at the end of four weeks, it might be time to pull the plug on the, on the brand split in general. Anything else you got out of WWE for this week? And I'm ready to uh, kick it over to break and come back to a WWE free zone. All right, let's take five. And we'll go to a better place. We'll be right back. It's all good, it's all love I think we're in a better place, yeah 
minutes since we last got up in it So this feels kinda strange, kinda bootleg But at the same time since you've been a ghost We've been toasting this thing is up in legs. I had plans of a land with my band with demand Plenty grants but then you left And at first I was bitter, I could not tell a lie I was hoping you would do less But I shook the demons, I want more for my people Even took the grieving and made changes the name To get hooked to ceiling. so one day we could all look back at the view Now many crooks believe and they can come and get a Mayday's book They scheming to divide us and grind us, they rooks And even thought we might stop the ride if we didn't have the crew I woke up in a place that I never knew More looks in the book, more revenue All the fans coming up saying where are you I'm just hoping that you're happy with the residue Cause it feels like the scenery is getting better for us all And it needs to be, that's the goal, getting gold like B's and V Cause everybody got a path and it seems to me It's alright, it's alright, it's okay, it's okay It's all good, it's all love, I think we're Found a station. I was well enough for observations. Outside in is how your boy is facing. Window shopping at the new location. Took some time to get myself together. Now we tight, we Gucci patent leather. Fuck the hate lately, I'm like whatever. Where I'm at, the view is simply better. Plus a little bit of alcohol's got me going like a jabber jar. Talk shit like an alpha dog. Reminisce till this last car. Hit a blunt till this blast off. Can you show me to the stash spot? Put the issues in the backdrop. Go ahead, take a snapshot. And yeah, we've been picking at the padlocks. But you were busy talking to me through a laptop. So let Bygones be bygones And I let bullshit just pile on We both came up on that island And the mercenaries are signed on I've been out searching for a higher ground Some feel like it's coming now So I can't believe that it's finally time to say It's alright It's okay True story It's all good It's all love It's alright, it's alright, it's okay, it's okay, it's all good, it's all love So let's jump back into segment two here. We've got a little bit of news that we wanted to touch on this week. Let's start off with uh, Impact Wrestling here, Rick. Impact has issued a brief statement Monday uh, to announce the end of their business arrangement with Jeff Jarrett. They say, Impact Wrestling announced today that it has terminated its business relationship with Jeff Jarrett and Global Force Entertainment Incorporated, effective immediately per the statement on impactwrestling.com. So I guess, number one, the company is now called Impact Wrestling, which is funny because there's an independent promotion here in Iowa called Impact Pro Wrestling. That'll be an interesting uh, story to follow. 
for some reason, I'm thinking that going back maybe to when Bischoff and Hogan were with the company, that that was almost the reason where they had kept, you know, they had teased shifting to that Impact Wrestling, but they always kept that TNA name around. It was really, it was a time where they were juggling those names where it was kind of hard to say, okay, what are you guys? It was really hard to tell. And, and I think that, I think there was some, there was some legal issues there between those two companies. I believe you're correct. Uh, the thing where this gets real interesting is it looks like Impact is moving north and is going to become a Canadian territory, basically. Once you start getting into international copyright law, that's very, very different than strictly United States copyright law. I believe they dealing with your domestic. I believe they got around that because the title of the show was Impact Wrestling. Just like that's Monday correct. Night Raw, Tuesday Night SmackDown Live. Um, but they couldn't call the company Impact Wrestling. That's correct. That was always the. That's how it was always explained. And I believe it was Mr. Bischoff who kind of spoke out about that, or was speaking on behalf of the company whenever that that question arose. He was saying, you know, the difference here is that we're TNA Impact Wrestling. Impact Wrestling is the program. It is not actually the name of the promotion. Now, I I don't want to dive too much into it, uh, but as you were talking about that, the promotion might be looking to maybe resize. And go in the direction of maybe just working the Canadian territory there. And it, it almost sounds like uh, from some sources that I've heard, some rumblings that are going on, that we, we might have a purge on the way here. That some of the top level talent, some of the names that you know that fans have come to know and, and associate, especially with that promotion, by the end of the year, we're they're going to be gone, and we're going to see a facelift on their talent roster. Wh whose talent roster? I mean, what is this company at this point? I Well, you know, we run down as you you run down who they've got there. There's some incredible talent that's performing for them. Yeah, but if they're going to be letting a lot of that talent go, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be a maker. It's it's going to be they're going to keep what they can from there. They're going to bring in some different names. It's going to be an entire new direction. Which, which maybe would leave, which I've seen from some other rumors, lead individuals to believe that they're going to scale it back. They're going to go to Canada. They're going to relocate the headquarters. Worry about that home base there. And then maybe just, you know, just get the content that they need to fill their spots, to just give them some, something to put out on the Fight Network. So now it looks like they're putting bumper stickers over everything that says Global Force on uh, their championships. Um. What does this do as far as the company itself goes? I mean, are, are people just a fan of whatever this company is? Or are we going to actually see a true reboot of this company into something new and just kill what's been there and tarnished and torn down and beaten like a freaking dog? What what's the, even the best approach to take at this point? It almost seems like the, the for it to maintain any global notoriety that that that's, that should have been that should have been done a long time ago. It seems like they've always kind of had that direction or had that they knew they had to get there and that 
it was in the plans, it was their mindset, but they never fully made a commitment to go with it. You know, it was always this kind of weird transition. Are we TNA Impact Wrestling? Now we're now we're Impact Wrestling. Now we're Global Force Impact Wrestling. They never really jumped all in. So at a certain point there, you cannot just continue to take these baby steps. I mean, you got to make a commitment to move forward in a new direction, and they never did that, and it left it left fans confused. It it was a, obviously a turnoff, you know, because it almost seemed every time that every time you turned around, it's changing management, it's changing names, it's the top talent's gone. It's it is every you know every time that they were moving forward, I should say, every time they tried moving forward, they were tripping over their own feet. Where does this leave whatever this company is inside of the pro wrestling landscape? Because I mean, New Japan is probably never been hotter. Ring of Honor has cooled down a little bit, but is still probably the number two American promotion. NXT is starting to pick back up. Progress, Evolve. I mean, these are all companies I would put above whatever Impact is now. Hell, I'd put PWG above Impact, and I've never seen a PWG show. Well, I would look at it this way. You, you, you name, you run off a, a list of promotions there. Can we even really call this company a wrestling promotion? They, they can't. They don't tour. They don't tour. They tape months worth of television at a time when you don't even know if the talent's going to be around for the next tapings. Well, we're already seeing this. They, they've taped this build to what is, what is their biggest event of the year, or they bill it as so, in Bound for Glory. That is coming up here in, in less than two weeks. They've, they've spent weeks... They, well, they taped three months, pretty much, of television, like in five days, something along those lines. And that was their build-up to this big event. Well, now they've got talent dropping off that they, that they were planning on using here. Yeah, like, like Karen Terrell. She was supposed to face Gail Kim at Bound for Glory, right? And now she's out. And now she's completely gone from the company. They're putting a lot of eggs into this El Patron basket. I think it's kind of a crapshoot if he shows up or not. Yeah, so I mean, it's hard to even call them a promotion. I mean, they're not in any way close to turning any kind of profit. I mean, they're hanging on. It's life support here. I had much higher hopes for this company when Anthem took it over. And it's just been a train wreck. All right, so Anthem comes in. Here's the here's the main issue with this. I'm trying to find this gentleman's name. Uh, who is the 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 head now? Ed Norholm. Oh, uh, Norholm. the head of Anthem. Is that his name? Yeah, Ed Norholm. Okay, let me. Yeah, here he is. I found him here. Uh, he's the EVP, Anthem Sports and Entertainment, president of uh, Anthem Exhibitions. This guy is the reincarnation of Jim Hurd. <laughs> I laugh because it's true. Yeah. If, no matter where he is at right now, if he's up in at home in Canada or if he's at the HQ down in Nashville, no matter where he is at, you can smell it on on Nordum. He has got that herd stank on him. I he thinks he knows what he, he wants to come in here. He wants to come in here. He's trying to... He wants to play big promoter. He has no idea what he is doing here. 
every move that he has made has backfired. And believe it or not, he's making Dixie Carter look like a pro wrestling genius. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't go quite that far, but he's definitely making Dixie look a hell of a lot better. That's for sure. I mean, I never thought that I would long for the days of Dixie Carter. Man. So at least at least with her, you had some stability in the company. She as you know, as terrible the moves were and some of how the product would falter at times. You know, Hart was there, she did care moving forward. And this guy just comes off as an asinine jackass. I'm really curious to see how we look back on Dixie Carter in ten, fifteen years. You know? Those yeah, early those, days of TNA. I, I always thought that the reason she was holding on for so long was that she that she always just had her in her mind that she just wanted to remain relevant in the professional wrestling business. You know, 10 to 15 years, I don't really even think that, that a lot of people even remember her. One person that we know is in Canada right now, or was in Canada anyway, is Jeff Jarrett. Uh, he seems to be having some issues up there. Jarrett worked for RCW, a promotion in Canada, over the weekend. And unfortunately, we've heard some disturbing reports regarding his condition at Friday's event in Calgary. Uh, one of them said that he was so drunk that he passed out in the locker room and they had to wake him up before his match. Uh, meanwhile, Jarrett did not appear as advertised for the promotion uh, in Edmonton. Promoter Stephen Iwanschuk, I'm sorry, I totally badgered that i'm sure you'd think watching as much hockey as i do i'd know how to pronounce that issued a statement on the rcw facebook page um suggesting that Jarrett uh boarded a plane and left the country on his own accord on saturday morning due to his own issues um Jarrett has now came out and commented uh on his release from impact wrestling and the gfw situation saying that Anthem is out of money, uh, which may or may not be a true statement. Uh, our friends over at WrestleZone reached out to Impact Wrestling when Jared's claim uh, and comment uh, and said that statement is inaccurate. Anthem and Impact Wrestling are looking forward to a successful six-day tour in Ottawa, November 5th through 10th, and much more. I don't know what's going on with Jeff Jarrett here. Uh, obviously, I picked up on it when I watched the Triple Mania show. And we've heard nothing but terrible things about backstage issues since that Triple Mania show. It sounds like Jarrett is just a mess right at the moment. Yeah, it's really it's really sad to hear something like that. Uh, you know, fan a fan of the gentleman's work in a business or not, you know, he's a human being, and to see someone struggle with you know if it's you know depression or dependency issue. I, I this actually is some of this news here is the first that I am hearing of it. I, I didn't pick up on it. Not really sure why I didn't see it, but it seems like it, you know just maybe a time to step away a little bit. I think that would be the best thing right now for Jeff Jarrett. I think, I think Jarrett needs some help, and unfortunately, that's not going to happen until Jarrett decides that he needs some help. I just hope that he gets it because. 
like you said, I, w- whether you're a fan of the guy's work or not, he's a human being, and you hate to see him go down this path. Well, and I think, you know, and, and more so, too, they would, you know, a lot of people knock him, but when Jarrett's, when Jarrett's good, he's, he's, pretty, he's good for this business. He's done a lot here. And you have deep, his family, he's, he's got the roots invested in it. He knows what's working in the business. He knows he has shown that he can run the business. It's just hard to do that when, uh, when you're battling with some demons on your back. In a little bit happier news, the illness that sidelined Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns is now believed to be the mumps. <laughs> Initially, there were fears that it was viral meningitis, and wrestlers were tested for that, but symptoms and test results have diagnosed the condition as the mumps, according to various sources. Uh, that is good news. Uh, it means Reigns and Bray will be able to return hopefully soon. Uh, depending on the recovery time after dealing with the illness. Meltzer uh, of the Wrestling Observer reports that the wrestlers have received shots on Thursday per- to prevent any further spread of the infection. Although WWE uh, could have been exposed before the shots were administered and those symptoms just haven't manifested yet. Mumps symptoms uh, after exposure typically take about two weeks to show up. So we'll keep a close eye and see if anybody else just happens to disappear from TV as more testing is taking place this week. Let's see here. Looks like the infection can last, can range from anywhere to 12 to 25 days. So it sounds like Reigns will be back in time for Survivor Series. That's really what I'm hearing. Just Um, in time. Just in time to come and save the day. Team Red. I think I'm going to go puke now. Ricochet has won the PWG Championship and at the same time has pinched a nerve in his back. Not good when you wrestle the style of Ricochet. Also not good when you could finally sign with NXT here in about, what, 84 days now? Now, let me ask you something. You know you've, you've got just that brief waiting period. You know, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, what's three months? I ain't taking a fucking booking. No chance in hell am I taking a fucking booking. And I know, you know, we hear this with some people, you know, that if they just go out and, and work a safe match with somebody that they know, everything's going to be protected. I mean, this is, this is your ultimate payday, which you've been working for in your career. I mean, why why risk that guy knows one speed unfortunately he reminds me a little bit of daniel bryan in that respect hopefully this is not a nagging injury as somebody who suffers with back injuries and chronic back pain i can tell you this ain't good especially when you wrestle the style that ricochet does the only thing that is potentially good about this is maybe it'll slow him down just a little bit. That brings us to Madison rain. Uh, Here we go. Madison rain had an NXT tryout. We, we saw pictures of her down at the performance center. Then the next thing I see is she's winning a women's title somewhere. 
She's being advertised for Shimmer and Wrestlecade now. Do we take that as the tryout didn't go well? Or is she just fulfilling previous obligations? Do you want to see Madison Rain join the likes of NXT? I almost, you know, have in ring, I've always been a, a fan of Madison. I actually, uh, I've actually watched her for a, quite a while back in back, actually from her beginning when she got going with the Ohio Championship Wrestling. And I'm kind of waiting to get, to get to that point. As I know, before we even started this show, I, I always told you I would uh, share a story about this when the time was right. And I guess we're, we're getting almost to that point. But as big as a fan uh, that I am of hers, I just don't know if she's this right fit for, for NXT and then possibly a run with, with Raw or SmackDown. I completely agree. I, however, have never been a big fan of Madison Rain. Uh, the character has just never really done anything for me. And I feel that way about most of the TNA knockouts. Uh, really, the only two that I've ever really cared for is Gail Kim, because she has been incredibly protected through her entire time at TNA, GFW, Impact, whatever the hell it's called. And I was a big fan of Velvet Sky. Madison Rain was just kind of there for them to beat up as far as I was concerned. I was never a big fan. Never a big fan. You're awful quiet over there. I'm just uh, kind of kind of thinking about reminiscing, reminiscing. Reminiscing yeah. of your fond days of Madison Rain? You know, that's what I just say. You know, before we ever started this, I was. I, did I ever tell you the story? Well, see, you told me that you had a Madison Rain story, so I keep notes of these things. And I was like, "Ooh, Madison Rain news!" I know if I put this in the rundown, I'm gonna get the Madison Rain story. So now, I know there's a Madison Rain story. The listeners obviously know there's a Madison Rain story. Tell us. The Madison Rain story, Rick. Okay. Now this now this goes back before before she was Madison Rain, before she was a TNA Knockouts champion. For she was a talk of the town on television. Before she was married to that freaking tool shed. What the hell is his name? I can't even think of it. Who's the announcer over there? Fucking Jeremy Borash. No, 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 no. She married the Josh No, man. no, Matthews. Yeah, Not Borash. I, I, married, like, I, like, I like Jeremy Borash. It's before Josh she Matthews. she was married to that douchebag before she was on the creative team. Long before, long before she had those sweet, luscious tatas of hers. And she was breaking into the business. And she was just little old Lexi Lane. She broke into the business mid-2000s right here in... The good old state of Ohio broke in with the Ohio Championship Wrestling, but she worked throughout throughout the state. I think uh, you know here in Ohio we have a plethora of, of independent wrestling promotions. Every every little town, about every other exit, if you take off on a Saturday night, you're going to find a, an independent pro wrestling show. It's actually uh, actually pretty nice. You can go anywhere and, and pick up some great Ohio. 
We little don't un, have you know, anything it, like that out here. It, it doesn't doesn't get a lot of the respect that it that it deserves when it comes to a wrestling hotbed, but but we've we've got it here. There's a lot of great promotions, a lot of great talent come out of here. So really, this this is going on probably. I'm going to say this is like 2006, 2007. So a remember, decade ago, roughly. About a decade ago. Probably a little. Probably like 2007, 2008. It was about, it was fall, because I remember I had a jacket with me and long sleeves. It was a little crisp out. So we're out at a show, and I, I, I can't even remember what promotion it was. I want to say maybe it, it was, was War, which is uh, Al Snow's original promotion. He got that going here in Ohio. So we're at, we're at the show. We've got a buddy who's on the card. Everything's going great. You know, we're sitting there rooting for him. We're, we're having a hell of a time. We're throwing back some ice cold beers, meet a couple buddies. We're just really getting into the show, enjoying ourselves. And when it comes to, after everything's done, the tradition is all the boys and the girls that are working the show, they're going to go out for an after after party. And and usually they're kind enough to, to invite, invite, along, invite along the fans. You can come rub elbows, mingle, mingle with the stars. It's always a, a unique experience. It's a lot of fun. Those out there that know me, I, I am not shy about passing up the opportunity to to get my party on. I, I enjoy the sauce. So we, we go to the bar there, and we're kicking back a few, and I don't know, a couple hours go by. I'm feeling pretty good. I got a couple down. I really enjoy my Jägermeister, so I'm quite sure I was couple shots deep into into that well there's Lexi Lane at the bar and oh man she she is actually sitting alone at first I say I'm thinking oh she must be waiting on waiting on somebody she can't be there by herself about five minutes go by she's still there ten minutes go by she's still there well at this point I have enough liquid courage I'm gonna take it upon myself I am going to go up and make a move on Madison Rain Lexi Lane I can't remember what I said, what my opening line was, what got me in the door. But next thing I know, I'm in the bar stool right next to her. We are chatting it up. Uh, I am probably bright-eyed in awe that, that one of the, the great competitors that I just watched, and, and believe me, when you're up, up close to her, especially all, all the way back then, Man, she is she is gorgeous. She she lives up to every bit of the term knockout. Very very gorgeous. So I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling confident. Beautiful lady sitting here by me. She's she's one of the wrestlers. I'm an over the top mark. Man, life life is really good. But you know, just being the gentleman that I am, you know, I'm offering to to pick up the drinks. Yeah, we're, couple glass of wine, couple shots. Well, before I know it, you know, I'm financially I'm pretty invested here. <laughs> I don't want to divulge any exact figures or anything. But I got a pretty good chunk of change running up on that bar tab. You got played, homie. Everything's going great, and, and I think I even think there was, you know, even the teasing, you know, the brushing of my of my knee or my arm, you know, she's giving me them tangles, man. I'm feeling this. This is going great. This is going superb, better than I could imagine. 
So then she, which I've kind of found peculiar, I didn't really picture her as a smoker or anything. Like she asked, she asked me if I if she could borrow a cigarette. Eh, no problem. She said, "Well, I'm gonna go use the restroom and then I'll go smoke this." Oh, no problem, hon. I'll be right here. You know what? I'll have another round waiting for you when you get back. Never came back, did she? Dramatic pause there. She never came back. <laughs> oh, I love stories with a happy uh, her and who, Her and whoever that she was actually, you know, there with, hooking up with, they had hightailed it out of there. And little to my knowledge, not only was I picking up her drinks, I had bought both of them their goddamn drinks. Ouch. Ouch. So that is the, the story of the time that Madison Rain took your boy RBV and worked me over like the ultimate mark. Hashtag ultimate mark. Send it over Rick's way. My match of the week. I'm going to go a little bit old school. 2002, no way out. The Rock versus the American Badass Undertaker. Watched that match last night. Fantastic match. Highly recommended if you've never caught it. So that's it for episode nine. We'll be back on Thursday with the Blue Brand's turn. Be sure that you follow the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod. Find the show on Facebook, backslash Hitting the Marks. Drop us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. Make sure that you subscribe to Hitting the Marks on iTunes or Podbean so that you never miss an episode. Drop us that five-star Melter review. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how do the stalkers find you? As always, you can find me over on Twitter at TheRealRBV. We're going to head on over to Facebook, chat it up with uh, me and some of my favorite wrestling compadres over in the uh, WrestleZone discussion group. Once again, that is on Facebook, the WrestleZone discussion group. And I do have a little bit of announcement a little special announcement geared towards one of our very dear friends, one of our favorite listeners, big fan of the show, Jersey Mike, or as I call him, the ladies' man. And I I happen to know that he's got a little flavor that, it, that he likes to hang out in the, in the club a little bit. He doesn't mind a little lap dance from time to time. Well, next week, I am hitting the road. I've got some traveling to do for work. Well, I'm going to be heading to Concepts, Showgirls Review, and that's where I will be recording my end of this show from. In honor of our friend Jersey Mike, I will be large and in charge, recording Hitting the Marks podcast right in the heart of one of my favorite strip clubs. Oh. My. God. Oh, this is going to be an interesting show. An interesting show indeed. For now, we're off like a prom dress. Talk to you Thursday. See ya. Crunch your fingers. Label me. I don't give a f- I'll be your bad guy. Your kind, break the couple's head, go stuck it down it.
That's the bad guy. Go! I'll be your bad guy.